0: Greetings listeners, Remix is back, and while you may not recognize this voice, I am the new host of Remix, Jack Gillespie. I'm a reviews writer, and now I'm a podcast host, and after that, I'd like to introduce my guests. Can my guests please introduce themselves? My name is Matthew
1: Yap, Byte BSU's managing editor and resident Flash fan.
2: Hi, I'm Tanner Kinney. I write occasionally, and sometimes I even host a podcast that's sometimes even good, What is the name of that podcast? Uh, Input 2. Thank you.
0: All right. Should we just get into it? Yes, sure. So what have y'all been listening to recently? What have just, like, anything you've had in your ear
1: holes? Uh, So I've been listening for the past five hours. Uh, Two Hands by Big Thief. It's their newest album. It's amazing. Uh, I'm a big Big Thief fan in general. Capacity is one of my favorite albums just of all time. Uh, but this new album's pretty strong. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the songs on there, they've been playing at live shows for like years now. And now they're finally like actually released. So I'm really excited about it. It's been amazing.
2: Yeah. And what about you, Tanner? Uh, well, uh, I, I don't listen to like a huge amount of specific artists. I think I've said this before. I listen to when I'm feeling down, I listen to some lo-fi hip hop, lo-fi <laughs> Lofi, doesn't matter. Uh, but I, as a specific artist, uh, I've been listening to some of The Midnight, which is one of my favorite uh, synth wave groups. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, they released a new album last year, and I don't know if, if they're working. I, I assume they're working on some new music, and I'm excited to see what happens from it. There actually a song on their band camp that was not on the album they recently released <laughs> that I hadn't heard yet. I just I just checked it. I was like, wow, I haven't heard that song yet, so I'll probably be checking that out. Yeah, I
0: mm. I feel like my personal experience with Synthwave is that like, the best stuff is just absolutely killer, but it, sometimes it can be hard because I feel like there's a lot of people trying
2: to go on that Synthwave wave. Yeah, <laughs> people are going for that nostalgia bait. No, The Midnight does a good job. They do a lot of really unique stuff with it. Uh, especially like adding in not just synth but like real instruments they love themselves a saxophone everybody loves a good I saxophone i understand
1: a good saxophone like one
2: of their songs in uh on. one of their albums the one of their first albums uh Endless Summer the one of the songs in that one Jason uh has a full like minute long alto saxophone oh solo <laughs> <laughs> that's just beautiful <laughs> it's one of my it's one of my favorite songs, but yeah. Yeah, me personally, um,
0: since end of the decade season is coming up, where every publication wants to get out their best albums of the decade, I've been visiting some of my favorites that I haven't gone to listen to in a while, stuff like David Bowie's Black Star, mm-hmm. um, the Knife's 2013 album, Shaking the Habitual. It is some insane art pop, techno, just like some of the craziest stuff I've heard. Ever, um, and then Death Grips—the money story. It's this experimental hip hop. For those in the know, they know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but stuff that is brand new, I have—I've given that um, new Big Thief album a couple listens. Yes. I—I I think I remember listening to some singles from them a while ago that I really enjoyed, but I haven't given a chance to listen to their first album of this year, UFOF, yet. Really, but I listened to the single "Not," and that just. That is insane. That is some of the best stuff I've heard from them. It's just so intense. They're Um,
1: fascinating because uh, they've been around for three years and they already have four albums out and two of the members of the band have solo albums out now.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. They need need a break. They need, like... No, they don't. They deserve a nap. (laughs) Nah. At least one nap. Come on, Matt. (laughs) One nap and then back to albums. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They get one nap. But also... I've been listening to um, a bunch of the singles from Caroline Polachek. She used to be a part yeah. of um, the synth-pop group Chairlift, but now she's on her solo stuff. Every single single that she's dropped this year has been insane. Like I've been especially hooked on um, a song called So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings. <laughs> is one of the most blissful, enjoyable like, synth-pop, dance-pop songs of the year. If you're not listening to it, you're not on the wave.
2: <laughs> Guess I'm not on the wave. <laughs> well, I'll get on, on the wave. wave. Okay, I good. We're on the wave.
0: It. We're all on the wave. So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Rad. Alright, so now I was talking about End of the Decade list, and one of the biggest ones that we're going to expect this season has been dropped yeah. from Pitchfork Media, everybody's favorite music people.
1: I right. respect them constantly. I
2: feel like there's some sarcasm here that I'm not getting because I'm not in the music scene. What's up with Pitchfork Media? Do they, good, do, they do good work? They do good work. They it- do big work. That's probably better. They, I
1: don't completely discredit Pitchfork's, you know, kind of authority on music. I do respect it a lot. They put together a great music festival every year. Yeah, but I will say that they can, st- I think, kind of bend to what's popular.
0: Yeah, and I was, um, I was going to talk about this earlier, but I feel like Pitchfork, that sort of reputation they have for liking what's popular. Sort of a new thing because for throughout the most of the 2000s and like the first half of the 2010s, they were sort of known as like the tastemakers in like the indie scene. Mm -hmm. But as soon, but recently, and sort of in conjunction with their entire thing being bought by Conde Nast, they've started to be more kind to like more mainstream releases, more pop releases. Um, which has brought to attention like a lot of good like pop records, but also like some other. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Rock well yet. Are we talking about Born to Die? Yeah. Uh, I actually really like that album. A lot of good songs yeah, on that album.
1: So. We hear it by like video games.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> have heard. Um, anyway, so number eight is Solange's Cranes in the Sky. Okay. I love that one. Sure. I feel like she's Beyonce's sister, if you didn't know. But I've, she released the album the same year mm. as Lemonade. So it didn't get as much fanfare, but still got a lot of respect. And the respect it honestly deserved. Yeah. Um, number seven is Mitski's Your Best American Girl. Have any of y'all heard that one before?
1: I've listened to it. I'm not a Mitski stan. I it's to me I don't know about top 10 for sure but it's a good song yeah I have a lot of friends who are insane about Mitski she's got quite the indie fan base
2: yeah. I, I, I know about Mitski uh, my brother likes Mitski I have not heard this song. All right. so the song alright so I'm sure it's lovely though the song is
0: Tanner's brother approved <laughs> that's what matters shout outs to Taylor number 6 is Azalea Banks with 212 now I like this song but
1: I think Azalea Banks is a transphobe
0: and a racist and we could go on <laughs> Azalea
2: Banks is a terrible person yeah
0: I don't feel like that's a hot take to throw out. And if you are, then don't at, don't at me. I don't want to go through this discourse. At me.
1: It's at Matt Yapish on Twitter and Instagram.
0: All right. Then at Matt <laughs> app, Yap. App Yap. <laughs> Matt Yapish. All right. Number four, Beyonce's Formation. I think that the album came from is definitely amazing. Um, we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I think Formation, it's,
2: it's a good one from the album to have on there. Mm-hmm. It, my, I only know this song because it was my roommate's alarm. Last year, and he always woke up like three hours before I did, oh, no. and he would never wake up to his own alarm, so I would hear this song loop like two times before he'd finally shut it off, oh, my <laughs> so gosh. I hear it in my nightmares. That's the way I want to wake up, though, honestly. <laughs> it's not the worst. It's like the best motivational, just like, get up, slay. Yeah, yeah, sure. It was. It's a great song. It was very motivational. I just really wish he would wake up and actually shut the alarm off. <laughs> All right, number three is Robin's Dancing on My Own. That's
0: a classic. It is a classic. It's a modern classic. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. crying in the club anthem. Mm-hmm. And- uh, I cannot say enough about that song. Uh, number two is Grimes' Oblivion.
1: Grimes on the top ten list was genuinely surprising to me, but I will say, it's a good song. Yeah, and I wasn't surprised because like, Pitchfork loves Grimes. Even like now, Do. they love Grimes.
0: I think that maybe one of her songs off of her album, "Art Angels, could definitely have been in that place.
1: I think Kill v. Mame is just like a killer track. If Have you, either of you heard it? Yes, live, actually. Oh my god. I've seen Grimes live. She opened up for Lana Del Rey a long time ago. And let me tell you, it was awkward. No one knew who she was, and oh, there was like three girls thrashing <laughs> and then no one else moving. It was a very awkward performance. Well, shout out to those three girls. They were living.
0: I respect that. that. Yeah.
1: She's not a very good live. Oh my god. Here's the real information on remix for you guys.
0: Oh Got him. But in studio, she she has some bangers. She has some bangers. And number one is Kendrick Lamarler's alright. Now I feel all like right. That is a really respectable one. It isn't the best song on To Pimp Butterfly, his twenty fifteen album, but I think it's definitely. I feel like a lot of their lists Pitchfork tries to go for influence and just like impact, mm. and I definitely feel like that song's its um, status as like a Black Lives Matter anthem and just like a song like one of the most poignant, like hard hitting songs on one of the most critically acclaimed albums of the decade. I think it. I think they got it pretty right with their number one. I agree. All right, now do you want to go to the albums? I feel like the albums list didn't get as much backlash as the songs list. No, it was a little more conventional. Yeah. yeah. Number ten was Frank Ocean's Channel Orange.
1: That's fair.
2: Yeah. Fair. Yeah.
0: Um, number nine is D'Angelo and the Vanguard, Black Messiah, as someone who loves Neo Soul. It was really great to see D'Angelo, who is a Neo Soul icon, just come back in like it was like late twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen yeah. when the album dropped in. It is amazing. It stands with his like classic material. Um, Robin's Body Talk.
1: I actually really all I knew from Robin was dancing on my own, but so I went through and listened to Body Talk. It is a strong album. I'll give it to her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Though honestly, I think I prefer her newest album, Honey. It is really dope. It doesn't have like a song as like instantly iconic as Dancing on My Own, but there's some. it's just like an overall solid record. All right. Number seven is Vampire Weekend. Finally an
2: artist I recognize. There we, there we go. go. Modern vampire in the city. I, I'm so glad to see Vampire Weekend on the top ten here. <laughs> uh I love their music. Uh, I feel very validated. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Vampire has like a lot of amazing songs, like a bunch of the ones that are just like
0: absolute white people jams. Yeah,
1: <laughs> as a white people, I'm jamming. No, as yeah. a white people, I get it. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't know if they have like a classic album. And I don't know if I'd put this one in my top ten of the decade, but like I think it's got like a lot of great songs. Not one I feel like Hannah Hunt is just like especially just like a poignant song. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got got the tearjerker. jerker. Yeah, it's the tearjerker jerker of the album. So I think that it album they could keep it. I, I think. It's good to have it in the top ten. Um, number six is Solange's A Seat at the Table.
1: I really enjoy Solange. As you mentioned earlier, um, you know, she is uh Beyoncé's sister, and I feel like a lot of times she ends up caught up in Beyonce's shadow. And I really appreciate them giving her the recognition she deserves because she's a phenomenal artist.
0: Yeah, and I feel like she didn't try to be like, Oh, I'm Beyonce, but just her sister. I feel like she captured a really own unique sound of her own on a seat at the table. I feel like it's a super serene, just sort of like just gorgeous record that yeah. it isn't like hit you over your head, but it's just, like, a very subtle, like, beautiful listen. Yeah. Um, number five is Fiona Apple's The Idler Wheel. I'm not going to say the whole album title. It is, like, literally 30 words long. I'm not joking. It was 30 words oh, long the album look, title. I'm very Honestly, curious. am yes. l- I gonna. I
2: want to look this up because I want to see it. Like,
0: Fiona Apple's been in the game since, like, the early 90s or the mid-90s, yeah. and, like, that new album of hers that well, actually it isn't too new. It came out in, like, 2012, but... Like she killed it even after like she always has like a long period of time between albums and like she keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. She's just been a really consistent artist. And I have heard rumors that she might be coming up with new material. Ooh. Maybe she'll hit the top 10 of the 2020s. We'll see. Maybe. Number four. And I'm surprised this one I'm surprised got this low in the record yeah, list, which is surprising because it's number four. One. It is. I believe it should have been number one on Pitchfork list. I don't know if it's my personal top 10, but mine uh, we can talk about it a little bit later. But Kendrick Lamar's "To Pimp a Butterfly. It is insane that it is number four on here. Because I feel like it's like the most critically acclaimed album of the decade. I feel like everyone's just like, oh, yeah, it's an instant classic.
1: Yeah, I was shocked. It is a, I don't feel wrong saying revolutionary album and the influence and mass reach it had was insane and the fact that it is number four is beyond me.
2: Even I know that this is an important album Even, and I'm the least connected person to the pop music scene or the music scene in general and even I I see it and I'm like, oh yeah, that was one of the biggest albums of the past decade. It had a huge influence not just on the genre of music it's in but also on the music industry and the creators within it. It's a very powerful album, very powerful piece. Yeah, you cannot escape that record in 2015, the impact that it has and I feel like for a while Every hip hop artist felt like
0: we gotta top that somehow. We have to mm-hmm. somehow, and I don't think anybody ever did. No. Well, Kanye's next album will. Oh god. Whenever it finally releases, <laughs> AKA never. And honestly, I hope not. <laughs> oh, I like Kanye. I'm sorry. <laughs> number th- okay. Let's go on to number three. Beyonce's self-titled record. Now, I'm not fully against Beyonce being put in the top ten. I don't know if I would have put the self title up here. I feel like Lemonade much more deserved it. I agree. But I have a theory as to why they put the self-titled on there. In the top 10 i feel like again it's their wanting to have the impact albums up in here and i feel like beyonce self-taught definitely had a huge impact on how albums released just like she revolutionized just like the surprise drop format yeah well yeah that's what this is known for yeah, yeah.
1: i remember that. well and it does have quite a few of like beyonce also, like classics on there yeah her best songs. yeah like and so i i'm not surprised again if it was me personally i would have put lemonade where kind of this is but like i can commend it yeah i'm not angry at beyonce self-taught being put like pretty high on the list number two um, which is surprising for Pitchfork
0: because they gave this album a 10 out of 10. They have not given an album a 10 out of 10 since. Is Kanye West's My Beautiful Darkest with Fantasy. I feel like before To Pimp a Butterfly, this was like the most critically acclaimed album of this decade. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy to say that an album that's number two out of 200 is surprisingly low placed. But, I mean, they gave this album a 10 when it came out. Like, very few albums get a 10 from Pitchfork. And to have it just like have that is just like, it's crazy to think that it just like got dethroned by number one. This artist's second feature in the top ten, Frank Ocean's "Blonde."
1: I don't like blonde. I'm sorry. Oh my god. I'm sorry. It's, oh not, my it's I not my type. It's
0: not my type that one. I did not see this coming. No. And I gotta be—I'll I'll be honest. When I first heard the album, it's very much a grower. When I first heard it, I was just like, I don't know. I just can't grab on too much to stuff. But I feel like it's on—it's definitely grower. It's a very intimate, uh, personal album. So I think that, and I feel like it's an important album. I feel like I feel like Frank Ocean—he's one of the most important artists of this decade. Mm-hmm. He's been just like. Not only like an LGBTQ icon, but just like a general icon, just like the music scene.
1: Well, and I'll be honest, I, I do. I like an to see in my music. I, I really appreciate music that can be enjoyed on the first time through. But I will say I, I do absolutely commend Frank Ocean for his influence on the music scene. And I'm, I'm aware it's good music. It's just not good music. That's for me.
0: That's valid. That is valid. All right. So that was the top 10 of the albums of the 2010s. So here's the hot take time. What were some albums that you feel like were robbed that didn't get to get on the list or even that high on the list? So...
1: Listen for the albums. Uh, Casey Musgrave's Golden Hour was on there. It is a good album. Casey Musgrave's uh, Same Trailer Different Park was not on there, and Casey Musgrave's Same Trailer Different Park is, I actually think, for me, one of my top ten. I'm not a huge country person, but I absolutely commend Casey Musgrave for what she did. And it's a commentary on the Midwestern lifestyle. It's a commentary on poverty. It's a commentary on kind of country in general. It really dives deep into kind of what makes it up and kind of the idolization we have over it. And it really, as an album, really, really redefined and kind of pushed forward country music. And so, I'm a little salty that it was not added in. I think it's a bit of a robbery, personally. Yeah,
0: like, I, I expected them to put Golden Hour up in there, and it was actually, like, pretty freaking high. I forget the exact number. put I'm pretty sure it was, like, in the top 50. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised that they didn't even, like, give her, give that album, like, a spot on the list, when I feel like there were a couple albums there that I feel like didn't really deserve it. Wasn't Drake's Views on the list? Views was on the list. Oh. oh yeah. Was Oof. it?
2: Hold up. I actually have the list open, and I'm going to... Go ahead yeah there's some drake on here oh my gosh. a few places <laughs> while mr kenny is searching for
0: views on the list i think that a record that it was on the list but i think it should have been way higher is janelle Monet's arc android i feel like that's her classic record it was released in 2010 so i feel like it's had some time to be realized as probably one of the best r&b records of the decade and it is i'm gonna be honest i have bias it is my favorite album of the decade it is mm. my favorite album of all time so okay. i the fact that it is in 143 it's just like okay thank you for putting it on the list but it is just way better than 143. Come on.
1: <laughs> I will say, bit surprised that I know Panic of the Disco is not this like highly musically acclaimed group. Uh, but I'm a bit surprised Panic of the Disco did not land a single spot on there. Hmm. It was strange for me. Well, I feel like a lot of their like really loved albums came out in the
0: mid-2000s or like in the 2000s. That's valid. Like they're, they're really popular right now, but I'd say that their most popular stuff
2: right now isn't really their best stuff. Oh, for certain. For,
1: for 100%, certain. 100% Huge Panic of the Disco fans still stay all the new albums. It is nowhere near where they used to be. Yeah.
2: Oh, I found something I recognized at number 79, Tame Impala. I really love, I Tame, love Tame, Impala. Tame Impala. I love like, Tame Impala. Because I'm a white boy. <laughs> I
1: feel like everybody
0: loves Tame Impala. I feel like it's like a safe sort of band. Everyone's just like, oh, I can vibe with that. Yeah. It's definitely for someone who always says they have a chill vibe. Yeah. That's like the album for that dude. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a dope. They're a dope band. I feel like they haven't really made a bad album ever. No. So yeah, like so respect y- to them. You
2: know what? I can't. I don't have like an opinion on whether they should be higher or lower. So I'll just say I'm glad that they're there. I <laughs> relate to that. I'm glad I'm here.
1: Official bite review.
2: I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> Alright.
0: Uh, do you think we should wrap up this sort of like pitchfork hour, which seems... oh my gosh, we've been talking about this for for a minute.
1: Yes, Edvin cut this out, but yeah, we probably gotta go faster. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um so now in the other news. Um the drummer of the band Cream, Ginger Baker, he has passed away at eighty. Um he was found dead in a hospital in southeastern England. Now, Cream, um, they were hugely big in like the mid 60s and i feel like they were one of the huge staples in the psychedelic rock psychedelic pop scene in that time and of course 60s psychedelic pop is just like it's what the decade's really known for mm-hmm. other than like the beatles and beach boys i feel like cream is like a solid contender for like really representative of that time and ginger baker especially is really impactful because i feel like he was one of the first drummers to really be a star in his own like there was Ringo star but even in the group he was known as like oh and Ringo. yeah well i feel like ginger baker in like the cream trio i feel like he was respected equally among all three as like a star I mean, alongside Eric Clapton, which is, like, it's got a lot to say. Right. Are you, are you a fan of the band Kareem?
1: Uh, I am not personally a fan of Cream, but I do know Ginger Baker quite a bit, because like you said, I think he really gave a definition to, like, drummers, uh, and that's really, I think, cool. Um, I think it is a big loss to the music industry, because, yeah, he kind of took it away from just being the background guy to being a bit of a star in his own right.
0: Yeah, and I think that he had an interesting approach to his own drumming because I remember um, that in the 70s he spent a lot of time in Africa and learning mm-hmm. from Afrobeat legend Fela Kuti and I feel like that's a really respectable sort of avenue for him to go down I feel like it's really because I feel like Afrobeat is oftentimes not given the light it deserves mostly because it's not usually like canonized in like western music because mm-hmm. like, it's from Africa so people are just like what is there in Africa? Well there's Afrobeat. Fela Kuti is a music icon that like people shouldn't be skimping on and I really respect Ginger Baker for recognizing the influence in the Impact that artists like Velocuti and others in the Afrobeat scene sort
2: of had. Mm -hmm. I have no thoughts. Move on. Okay. (laughs) I I don't know what Cream is. I did not know this. I mean, I probably heard their music before, but I just didn't hear about this. Yeah. Um, So anyway, the last piece of
0: news that we have today is a bit more current. Lil Nas X, Cardi B, and all the Song Crafters on the song "Rodeo" have been sued for copyright infringement. Ew. Whoop. (laughs) Yeah. So the lawsuit it comes from two producers named Don Lee and Glenn Keith Demerit III. Tanner, be kind. What if that's his real name?
2: (laughs) I'm I'm sure it's a real name, but also your name is D-Merit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Tanner, you're so rude. I'm sorry.
0: And you really messed up. Like, look at those lines. Listen,
1: dude, my name's Yap. I get it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so they sued them, um, claimed that the track rodeo steals from a song called Broad Day um, that the two had a hand in producing. And they noted that the chord progression as well as the instrumental pal is really being similar between the two tracks. And mm. at some points, I could definitely see it. I feel like the guitar part on both the songs is very similar. And I can sort of sense it in, like, the chord progression. Um, but I feel like the songs are really, really, really different. And I feel like this song is definitely a big part of a conversation that's already been going on of pop pop stars being sued for copyright infringement um, just on, like, basic certain aspects of the song. There was a case with Katy Perry's Dark Horse, which got the same copyright infringement treatment from a Christian rapper whose song... <laughs> I'm going to be honest, they sound nothing alike. And it, it yeah. seems like the reaches upon reaches. And there's also the big case with Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines as much as mm-hmm. that song has a infamous reputation. It's icky. It's not good. Yeah, they got um sued by the team behind Marvin Gaye. One of his songs they felt that Blurred Lines ripped it off or just like definitely took a lot from it. And I feel like while well, there might be some air to some cases where it's just like so obvious. I feel like this um, um trend of having just suing, 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 suing for like musical ideas. When, let's be honest, in this like current day and age, there's so much revolution that has been gone on in the music that's harder and harder to just come up with like. There's most likely very few original ideas left right. in music to be done because like the things existed for a while. I think music's been around for a while. Have you? Do you believe that music's been around for a while?
2: It's been well, around for a minute. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard of it that it's been around for you know at least as long as I've been alive.
1: <laughs> no, so I notice uh, not necessarily in the instrument pilot, but I notice it a lot in the chord progression. That being said can only do so many chord progressions. Like It's kind of like you're saying, at the end of the day, this is something that, while yes, I do think that, yeah, they sound really similar, I don't know if I think they're borrowed or stolen. I think at the end of the day, nothing is unique, and I don't think that's strict to music. I think all our, everything we do, everything is a kind of a recreation of something else we know, and so I don't think that this is them necessarily stealing, and I do think that the idea that like they can get sued for millions over this is something that is probably going to discourage people from even trying to make music.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like um this... Sort of slippery soap i hate sort of like the slippery slope sort of argument but i could sort of see it being here because i feel like if people see like oh so you could just sue these people and like i feel like in most of these cases like the people who have sued have oftentimes won the cases so it's like they see this i feel like it could be a lot of cases where like the similarities are lesser and lesser but like they could still like i feel like it's a very dangerous sort of thing to see commonly happening um and especially like you said nothing's like really original so i feel like trying to sue only claiming ownership over like a chord progression or like a spaghetti western guitar yeah.
2: or or like sampling yeah exactly the rap music scene does a lot because i know there was a it was sting who said he loved juice world's song and then immediately tried to get money off of juice world's song because Ooh. she sampled sting and sort of related to this i don't want to claim anything about um Mr. Lee and Mr. Demerit
0: III. Don't laugh, Tanner. I'm sorry. Oh I, I didn't God. laugh. But it's quite coincidental that they pulled out this copyright infringement just around the time where Lone Os X announced that Rodeo is going to be the next single for radios. Yeah. Where it's about to see its sort of time and sun. So then suddenly a copyright infringement lawsuit for millions comes out and like there's news coverage all over. Wow, that's crazy. It's a bit coincidental. A little bit. They just really love money. I mean, rights and freedom. Who doesn't love money? We love America. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we're skipping. We're, we're going to go past that conversation. We're going to talk about new releases. Uh-huh. So while these new releases aren't the newest, we're going to be covering some releases that were in in oct- from October 4th and October 11th. Um, so some of them that have been released recently is Wilco. Um, they are a sort of like an indie rock staple. They released their 11th album, Ode to Joy. Danny Brown, um, hardcore hip hop artist. Um, he released his new album. You know what I'm saying? It's very fun style. I of know it. what you're saying. Tanner, you can leave now. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but yeah he released his fifth album and it's a follow up to his album McTroshy Exhibition which I feel like got so much praise I yes, feel like it it's universally like acclaimed so it's interesting I haven't given the full album a listen yet but I feel like he's going for like he's not trying to top it it would be very hard to top it especially considering just like how intense of a record it is so like it's a it's a it's a fun little record I've heard the singles on it. it's definitely sort of like they got Q2 from a Tribal Quest to produce it which is pretty dope Um, and then there's Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds with the album *Ghosting*. it's their project's 17th album um, their first since 2016 Skeleton And this was released on October first. Is Kim Petras? She released her album, or was it mixtape? I don't know. I feel like it was very confused about how she released it. Um, People have
1: issues differentiating the two at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, Turn off the light. It's uh, the second volume of Halloween-themed mixtapes. So if you want some fun, danceable, spooky music, then you can check that out. There could be other discussion talk about Kim Petras, but we're not going to go into that right now. (laughs) Um, So October eleventh today, when we're recording, baby metal. Do of y'all, either of oh, finally some good news? Uh, <laughs> Baby metal, famed idol, idol esque metal group from Japan, right? Yes. Yes. Right. They're releasing their third album called Metal Galaxy. and It's their first release since the departure of um, member Yui Metal.
2: I'm so glad. And uh, this not a Yui Metal fan. No, I mean I'm just so glad Baby Metal's back. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Well,
0: after this podcast, you can go and listen to oh, yeah. Metal Galaxy, oh, out yeah. now.
2: It's out now. It is it's out crazy. now. Damn.
0: And the other release of October 11th, I feel like our other co-host has a lot to say about it, is Big Thief's Two Hands. Iconic.
1: Perfection. It's, it's not actually perfect, but I do think it was one of their stronger <laughs> albums. Um, UFOF released earlier this year, and I think it's a bit stronger. But I do think that this album stays really true to what Big Thief does. I'd almost, a criticism I'd say is it's a bit samey. Uh, in the sense that it's very similar. But again, I do commend them on releasing some of the big songs they've been playing for years now. Um, it does; It's very strong. It has really interesting kind of folkish, bordering on shoegaze-esque music. Um, some of the highlights from it, I would say, are not Those Girls and Shoulder. So, Yeah. Yeah, fantastic n- album
0: not is the banger like yes. one of the bangingest bangers i've heard in a while yeah <laughs> um speaking of another really good album let's focus on our highlighted album of the week Ooh-hoo. angel olsen's all
1: mirrors i adored it it is a sad sad album <laughs> you know i love a
2: sad sad album i it's, really do it was very upsetting because i was having a rough morning this morning uh, i had a lot of a lot of stress in my life and i'm like you know what I, got, I gotta listen to this album i'll listen to it while i work and it was just like a lot of it was a very heavy album to just like passively listen to while you're trying to work heavy is definitely the word I've put for like a
0: lot of tracks on here Mm -hmm. now for those of you who don't know angels and I'm going to drop a little background info so all mirrors is the fourth studio album from her um, and it's the third one to be released on Jag Jaguar records fun fact the record labels located in Bloomington Indiana hey Indiana rep there we go if only it was Muncie chirp 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 chirp. (laughs) thank you Um, so on previous records such as burn your fire front of witness and my woman she sort of established herself as like a prominent indie rock figure in the recent times Um, but this new album that's sort of an artistic departure I feel like she sort of left behind sort of her indie rock Sound and gone for something grander, more orchestral, more
1: very, very orchestral,
0: very string based. Um, so the for two singles released for this album were the title track All Mirrors and Lark, um, both the two which are like the first two songs of the album. So, what would you two say about the singles? Florence
1: Welchish, yeah, oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think that they're both really strong. Um, something that you know, it's what it's a solid choice, but I found unfortunate is I think that. The two singles, specifically Lark, I think are actually the strongest of the album. And so I was really excited. And then when I listened to the album, I was a bit disappointed. It wasn't a bad album. I really, really enjoy it. But they definitely led with their strong foot.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like Lark is the boldest. Like, those songs are, like, the boldest songs on the album. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, especially Lark. When I first heard that song, that was, like, one of the hugest, like, just, like, in scope that I'd heard, like, all year. Just, like, how it keeps escalating and escalating. I feel like at Mm -hmm. some point, just, like, the strings and just, like, the orchestral instrumentation just, like, so intense and just so blaring. It feels like it's going to be, like, touching the stars. It is an insane sort of climax for that song. And I feel like All Mirrors does a really good sort of transition to that. I feel like both those songs and even, like, the third song, they sort of... They sort of come across as sort of like, like a suite where just like I feel like they all flow into each other yes. really smoothly.
2: Yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, after those first two songs are really like striking and memorable. But like Matt said, sort of after that, it all just sort of kind of blends together. I can't really pick out any songs after All Mirrors and Lark that really stand out to me. Uh, I know when I was listening to it, I was like looking at the song titles, and Endgame was one that I was like, okay, yeah, this is a little... I love Avengers. I love Avengers, Same. right? Uh, that, isn't that a Taylor Swift song as well? It uh, is indeed. Endgame. It wasn't very good. Ed Sheeran was on it. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. like That song
0: featured Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, and Future? Yeah. That's that's quite the combo. I don't know if I'd say it's a good combo. That's like a JRPG party <laughs> of mismatched characters. <laughs>
1: It's a mistake of what it was.
0: But yeah, when I first listened to the record, I definitely was sort of like in the same boat, just like, okay, this is like a bit more samey. But I feel like um, it's definitely like a Grover album. I feel like the rest of the album, it doesn't match like, the insane just like energy of like especially Lark. And I'll be honest, too easy. I feel like it like flowing into all mirrors instead mm-hmm. of making it sort of shine as a piece of the album, I feel like it just like, it's my least favorite track on the album. It's just very just like inconsequential in my opinion. Okay. But I feel like after that, like there's some really great songs. I feel like, it's a song I album mean, has a really strong like mood of the record I feel like songs like um, Impasse and Impass
1: was very I think interesting in the sense that it's almost I felt like the focus was not on the music itself rather just kind of like the emotion she was trying to convey it was very much a kind of like ex- uh, experience more than the actual song which I found fascinating
0: yeah I feel like that's especially true in the Sort of like the structure of the song, because I think it doesn't have like a usual like song structure. I feel like it's just like a constant, just like escalating, escalating, slowly escalating to like mm-hmm. the peak. It was very much outside of sort of like a pop song sort of structure. And I think that was a really admirable sort of way to tackle the song. Yeah.
1: Experimental to say the least. Yeah. Uh,
2: a lot of, a lot of i fascin- I haven't listened to this artist before. So I w- didn't really know what to expect. Like I saw that it was like described as like indie rock, and I was like, okay, I like me some indie rock. Wow, this is, yeah. <laughs> it w- I didn't ex- like. I said I didn't expect something so like empowering and like power. Empowering wrong. Mm. Powerful, heavy. Yes. Really depressing. Really unexpected.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like a lot. Like s- even some of the songs are like more ballad-like. I feel like some strong songs have really just strong moods or strong auras. I feel like Endgame really well. It's just like a dirge. It is just so. It's pitch black. Like I feel like the melody that she sings is just like so, like low browed. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just like you're falling down a deep, deep dark pit of sadness. sometimes yeah. really, sometimes you, sometimes you way just out. need that. Sometimes you just want to go down that pit.
1: No, I. So yeah. I have listened to quite a bit of Angel Olsen. I was first introduced to her uh, with Windows back in the day, um, which I think is one of her bigger hits, and while well, she's always been a fairly well, I'll flat out say depressing artist she really went for it on this one and I respect that she really conveyed emotion beautifully and I respect that she wasn't afraid to go heavy like it's it's not like easy listening like this was an emotional piece and I respect that
0: yeah Though I feel like one song that I feel like was really important so like making sure it's not all pitch black Well, it is definitely like a sad song in its own I feel like the closer chance I feel like it's a even though it isn't, like, it's a huge, just, like, bombastic song on the level of, like, Lark, I feel like it really sets itself apart. I almost get sort of, like, a old-school sort of, like, traditional pop, so like a Nancy Sinatra sort of, like, yeah. super, like, throwback, throwback, throwback with it. It's just, like, super traditional sort of, like, song, like, vibe I get from it, especially with, like, the orchestration. I feel like it isn't as much of a intense, just sort of, like, pummeling sort of experience as, like, Lark. I feel like it does really well just, like, setting up just, like, the drama, the beauty of that song. I feel like it's an amazing closer for the album. What mm-hmm. y'all think of that
1: song, Chance? I, I do think that... Again, it's not not a sad song, but it, I would call it a high note to end on.
2: It was very much needed after, <laughs> especially because immediately f- it follows Endgame, which, like you said, was a very, very much a p- pitch black depressing song. A funeral dirge of a very beautiful piece, but still very depressing. And then Chance was slightly less depressing. Yeah. And isn't that what life is like?
1: It was almost, i describe it as like an exhale. Like, we, we've we gotten all this tension and sadness so built up, and that you finally got a little bit of like, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: everything's not fully relieved, but you've moved on. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd
0: still say it's a sad song. Say it's, it's, it's got a spotlight on it. It's just like it's like a performance. Like you're tap dancing through your sadness. Very
2: Lana Del
1: Rey. Hope is a dangerous thing. You know, like we're sad, but like, I'm yeah, sad. we got like a nice tinge to it. Yeah, and I feel like she sort of grabs from like similar inspirations
0: that Lana Del Rey usually grabs for like her more like um, throwback sort of tracks, mm-hmm. very much like the Nancy Sinatra sort of traditional vocal pop, of, yeah. like the '50s and '60s. And other than that, I feel like there are a couple other songs I feel like really sort of break the sadness, sad, sad cry time. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed New Love Cassette. I feel like the, it has like a, a bit of a groove to it. It's got a little bit of a groove to it. And I feel like I really loved the strings in the second half where it was just like, the strings were used almost as like percussion because like, it just like stabs. It's just like percussion. The strings are just like stabbing at the listener. They're just mm-hmm. like super impactful. And I thought that was a really interesting way to just... Use the strings. I feel like the strings all over the record, just like amazingly produced, amazingly used. I feel like a lot of artists who try to capture that huge sort of scope with um, strings, just like oh, just just them in the background. But I yeah. feel like she really tried to do something interesting with this sort of new instrumental palette that she's got going on. I was impressed. I was impressed as well. And then oh, this was a fun song, honestly, a surprisingly fun song. What it is, it sort of has like a little jaunty, but um, but um, yeah. <laughs> but with like still a little like it fit the mood of the record, but just like in like more of a fun way. It was just like I think it's one of the songs you could just like. I don't know if I'd put it on like on a dance floor. <laughs> I would not. Yeah, uh, no, hey, you know, you never know. The the right club could use it. I feel like it'd be a pitch black club with like. Very sad people.
1: I think if you're depressed and you're like, man, but I still want to dance. Yeah, if
0: you just want to do like a little seat dance where you're just like moping. Yeah. That's perfect for what it is. I think so. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely feel like well, a lot of the album after the first two songs was definitely, it could definitely be a bummer. It's a bit of a bummer, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I feel like a really good bummer that grows on you. Um, It definitely still had those moments in the track list where it's just like,
2: all right, you can't just be sad the entire time. Just, right. like, pep up a little bit. <laughs> you can't be sad all the time. My dad has said that to me before. So, Same. <laughs> so what did you all think of the album overall? Just, like, final thoughts.
1: I think it was very strong. I think it's a continuation of Angel Olsen's, like, work, and I think she's managed to stay ambitious. So I respect it a lot.
2: Yeah, very good. Very good uh, album. I'll definitely be checking out more of her music because it was it, – sometimes, you know – it's good to have some slower stuff while you're working. Some yeah. slower pieces. You can't always just listen to lo-fi. The yep. stuff I've listened
0: to, it isn't as much of a major, major bummer. There's, there's some like peppier stuff in, plus it's just sort of like more the, more in sort of in tune with like the indie rock sort of sound that you'd expect from indie rock. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, my final thoughts is like, I definitely think this is a Grover album. It is not going to hit you immediately after the first two tracks on it, because those just like, hit so hard they're like a like a train running over you mm-hmm. pardon me if I get a little graphic there
2: <laughs> and then the rest of the album is a slow motion like video of the train running over you oh my gosh yeah it's like <laughs> I, the rest of the cars every once in a while I'll just find myself on the bus just like looking out the window pretending
0: I'm in a sad music video this is the perfect <laughs> album for that
1: it is so if it you really want to
0: pensively look out a train window or a car window or any window and just look out pensively I feel like this is an album for you anyways thank you so much for tuning into Remix I've been your host Jack Gillespie and can my guest host please? Exit out. I'm Tanner Kenny. I'm Matthew Yap. I didn't mean it as much as get out as I meant, but thank you very much. <laughs> um, you can find other stuff of Byte, podcasts, news, reviews, features, and a whole bunch of other stuff at ByteBSU.com. You can find um, us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at ByteBSU. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's called ByteBSU. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Or if this is a weekday, have a good week. Just have a great day. <laughs> Enjoy your life. <laughs> have a good evening. <laughs> Get some tea. Just relax. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, always, we'd really appreciate you to come back next week for another episode of Remixed. Have a good night, everybody.